Well, good morning. If you have your Bible, if you would turn with me to Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11. If you don't have a Bible, it's going to be on the screen in just a minute. But we are in our series called LTD, Living the Dream. And uh, according to God's Word, God has a dream and a plan for everybody in this room. That God has a plan for your life. He has a dream for your life. You may say, how are you so sure of that? Well, the Bible says that without a dream, without a vision, the people perish. So we know that we die without a dream. We also know that uh, the Bible says in Jeremiah that God has given you a future and a hope. And we also know that the Bible says that uh, God, the creator, has given you and I the creation uh, desires in our life. According to the book of Psalms, he'll give us the desires of our heart. And so it's very simple to understand God has a plan and a purpose for your life. And just a few minutes ago, we just had a baby dedication and we expressed that there was a dream, there's a purpose, there's a plan, there's a calling for that young baby's life. And, and, and she'll grow into a young woman of God and she'll fulfill the purpose and the plan of God for her life. And so will every one of us in this room. We've got that opportunity as Christ followers to live the dream. But living the dream, is, uh, is, it's easy to say, well, I'm going to have a dream. But it's one another thing to live it. That becomes the hard part. And so we've been talking about what happens when your dreams are delayed, when they don't happen as quickly as you think they should happen. How many of you know that God is seldom early, he's never late, and he's always right on time? But God, is God he's not very early in my world. Is he early in anybody else's world? Because if he's early in your world, I need to talk to you after the service and figure out how to get that to happen. Because the, the Lord, it seems like in my life, man, is just right there in that midnight hour. Boom, he shows up, right? And when he shows up, it, you know something's going to happen. But sometimes that dream then is tested. We're going to talk about next weekend that sometimes it takes more than just you to fulfill the dream that God's got for you. That God uses people in our lives and he brings divine relationships. Matter of fact, I believe God works through divine relationship more than divine appointment in our lives to fulfill the dream that he has. But today I want to talk to you about a different facet that sometimes we don't like to talk about. And that's called when your dreams are deferred. When your dreams that God's given you are deferred. When you don't know if you're going to see the fulfillment of the dream that God has for you. Now, we all understand what deferment is. I go to college. I take a student loan out. I get out, I don't get a job, and I defer the loan, right, the payment, meaning I got to pay it. I just don't pay it today, but I still, it's still coming. Sometimes our dreams can be like that. We have a dream from the Lord. We, we feel like God's put something in our heart, and we're out there living LTD, baby. We're living the dream. But all of a sudden, we realize that dream, the fulfillment of that dream may be bigger than my lifetime. I heard it said like this when I was in college, and uh, I didn't like it. I still don't necessarily like it, but I think it's more and more and more reality. And that is, if you're on a road that is not paved, you're probably paving it for your kids or the kids behind you. And if you are on a road that's paved, somebody in front of you paved it for you. Dreams deferred. What do you do when you're pursuing the dream, but you don't know if you're going to see the fulfillment of it? Well, this lives out in the life of a man named Abraham. And we see the life of Abraham in the book of Genesis in the Old Testament. 
where God gives a promise to Abraham and tells him, Abraham, I'm going to make your descendants as numerous as the stars of the sky and the sands of the seashore. And Abraham begins to go on a journey. The Bible says, looking for a city whose builder and maker is God. He begins to live the dream and walk the dream out. But Abraham comes to a point in his life where he realized the dream that God's given him is from God, but he won't see the completion of it in his lifetime. And the book of Hebrews in the New Testament, Hebrews chapter 11, gives us how Abraham did that. The Bible in Genesis tells us what he did, but, but Hebrews tells us how he did it. So it's important that we understand what, but sometimes how. Again, I was raised in church my whole life, and I hear preachers say, you know, well, just trust the Lord. Well, how do I trust the Lord? Well, just believe in God. Well, how do I believe in God? Well, just live the dream, LTD, baby. How? They didn't say it like that. You know, it was more like, and live the dream that God has for you. They didn't say baby. They'd be like, live the dream that God has for you, baby. That would have been right. <laughs> right? Well, you, you went to that church too. Okay. Bless God. Then sings my... Okay, so anyhow, but they never told you how. I want to look at the rugged plains of reality and talk about what happens when your dreams are deferred. There's a couple lessons, and I want to give you these, and then we're going to conclude today. One is faith in God. The first lesson that we see in the life of Abraham is that he placed his faith in God. I know that sounds simple, but faith in God. Hebrews chapter 11 verse 1 says that faith means being sure of the things that we hope for and knowing that something is real even when we don't see it. Now the world calls that crazy, but read that. Faith means, it's the Bible, being sure of the things that we hope for and knowing something is real even when we don't see it. Calling things that are not as though they are. Not being able to physically, tangibly touch it, but knowing in my spirit that it's going to happen. That's called faith. And the Bible says that you're going to put your faith somewhere. In the words of Bob Dylan, you're going to trust somebody. Who's it going to be? What's it going to be? See, you're going to put your faith in something. You're going to put your faith in yourself. You're going to put your faith in your money. You're going to put your faith in relationships. You're going to put your faith in tradition. You're going to put your faith in your business acumen. You're going to put your faith in your company. You're going to put your faith in, in your stocks and your portfolios. You're going to put your faith in your marriage. You're going to put your faith in your kids. You're going to put your faith in yourself. You're going, you're going to put your faith in the church. Or you're going to put your faith in God. But you're going to put your faith into something. What is that something? It's not a matter of if you're going to do it. It's what you're going to trust. It's what you're going to believe. It's what is, what, what's that resting upon? Because you're going to trust somebody. You're going to put your faith in someone. And Abraham says that God said that he put his faith in him. That he made a decision that he was going to trust God. That he was going to follow God. That it didn't matter what the world said. It didn't matter what the market said. It didn't matter what he was going to trust God. And you go, well, Abraham was a minister. No, he wasn't. Abraham was not a prophet, priest, or king. He was a businessman. Read it. Genesis. The Bible says he was diversified in gold and in silver and cattle and in land. And if one, one was not performing, the other one was up. He was a businessman. And the kings of the region would come and meet with Abraham because he was so financially successful. These aren't my words. Read in the book of, of Genesis. That, and that, that when, when they would come before him, they would make trades and barter and make deals because the favor of God was upon Abraham's life. And they did not understand it, but they acknowledged it. 
And Abraham paid for everything. The Bible says that Abraham tithed before the law called for him to tithe. He gave unto the Lord a first fruit before the law ever required it of him. Why? Abraham was a well-to-do businessman. But he was a man that was deeply committed in faith. So those of you sitting today have a whole lot more to um, connect with Abraham than I do as a minister. The second lesson that we see is that Abraham had the ability of going without knowing. I'm going to explain this in just a minute. Going without knowing. Going without knowing. Hebrews 11 verse 8 says, It was by faith, there's that word again, that Abraham obeyed God's call to go to another place that God promised to give him. He left his own country not knowing where he was going to go. He left his own country not knowing where he was going to go. You see, if you're going to live the dream that God's called for you, Following God sometimes means following without knowing what's going to happen in the end. Following without knowing the outcome. Following without having all the things in front of you. Now, I'm just going to be honest with you. This is hard for me. This is one of those things I don't do well with. If I'm on a trip, I want to know where we're going to eat, where we're going to do. I like my wife. Her idea of vacation is no agenda because everything in my world is an agenda. I get an agenda from my assistant every single day I come to the office. I have it on my computer. I get I get pop ups and all kinds of stuff that tell me you got a meeting here, you got a meeting here, you got to be here. You got I'm I love the organizational tethering of technology that keeps me on focus. My wife does not, and so the, and so the reality is, is, that, is that for her, vacation is having no agenda for me, but I, I, I just need to know where we're going to eat. At least just give me that. <laughs> it's important. Mm, you're going to trust somebody. You better trust a fat man when it comes to eating. I'm just telling you. And so the reality is, is that but when you're living the dream, you're going to have to sometimes go without knowing. You're going to have to trust God with the result. Let me say this. This may sound harsh, but this is reality. Not everybody that calls themselves a Christ follower can do this. Let me say it better than that. Not everybody that calls themselves a Christ follower will do this. I believe we can do everything that God asks us to do. The question is, will we? This is a lordship issue. This is a, am I going to disengage my personality? Am I going to disengage my agenda? Am I going to disengage my need to know and trust it to him? And some of us get stuck at this place, and we live here for a lifetime. And we can't get beyond it, and we wonder why. Because you've got to give up to go up in the kingdom. There is sacrifice before there are results any time in the kingdom. All Old Testament, New Testament, this is the way it works. You have to give in order to receive. You've got to be last in order to be first. You've got to serve in order to be served. The way to the master's chambers, to the servant's quarters. This is, this is the law of the kingdom. The kingdom is upside down. The world that you and I live in, that you'll go to work in tomorrow, says it's dog eat dog, king of the mountain, go for it, get everything you can, amass everything you can, insulate yourself in every possible way, hang on to every dime, every dollar, the sky may be falling, chicken little is out there. But the kingdom says this by faith. The substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen, speaking things that are not as though they are, what the world would call crazy when it's based upon God, God calls that living the Christian life. And so Abraham understood, I am going to go on a journey, and I don't know the end result, and I've got to trust God for that. And if you're going to live the dream, you've got to be willing to do that. You've got to be willing to walk that out. The next lesson that we see in the life of Abraham is that he accepted the unacceptable. He accepted the unacceptable. He accepted the unacceptable. He was going to be an outsider, and he was going to be inconvenienced. 
The Bible says in verse 9 that it was by faith that he lived like a foreigner in the country that God promised to give him. He lived in tents with Isaac, his son, Jacob, Isaac's son, who had received the same promise from God. When you're living the dream, it's not always going to be all packaged and neat and nice. There's going to be an acceptance of things that are unacceptable. There's going to be times where you're in awkward situations. There's going to be times where you're uncomfortable, where you're inconvenienced, where, where it may be the last dollar that you've got in your bank account, or it may be the, the, the last opportunity that you have. It may be that there's just going to be that. I remember following the plan, the will of God, kind of living the dream, if you would, in my own life. And when Tammy and I moved from Oklahoma to here, the difference between price and, and what we were making and, and what houses cost here and taxes cost here was vastly different than Oklahoma still is. And I remember, you know, um, uh, moving and selling a home that was nice and new and, 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 and it was our first home that we had saved and put together money and did all of that and moving into an apartment. It wasn't as big of a deal for me, but it was a much bigger deal for my wife. And I remember looking at her and going, I don't know when we can afford a house. I don't know if we can afford a house. I just know this is what we're supposed to do. Sometimes being inconvenient. Sometimes feeling like I don't know what's going on. Sometimes going to that point, you go, well, yeah, but man, you live in a home in Germantown now. Life is great. Yeah, 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 but I didn't know that then. I'm telling you, I, I, I had no clue. I, all I knew is that this is where God had called me to go. All I knew is that this is where God was going to do something. All I had was faith, baby. You understand what I'm saying? And going without knowing is part of the whole deal. Accepting the unacceptable is the whole deal. And if my wife would have said, I can't do that. Not my house. Nope, 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 nope. Not giving up my house. Not giving up family. Not going to do it. But you know what would have happened with the dream? The dream would have died. That doesn't mean I wouldn't make good money, wouldn't mean I didn't drive a nice car, wouldn't mean my kids didn't go to good schools, wouldn't mean I wouldn't be successful. But the dream to plant, to pioneer a church that was life-giving, like Life Church is, would have died. You know, that's harsh. No, that's reality. That's reality. But my wife being willing to accept the unacceptable, to be inconvenienced, and that's the same thing with all of us. It's different. It may be uh, family. It may be home. It may be money. It may be intangibles. It, it may be a relationship. It, it may be a lot of things. It may just be you're, you're just not comfortable with something. But to live the dream is not an easy thing. And Abraham, the Bible says, was willing to be inconvenienced and live as an outsider because he knew the purpose and the plan and the will of God for his life. The next lesson that we see in life of Abraham is that he was focused on the goal. He was focused on the end. He was focused on the promise. He was focused on the dream. He was focused on the goal. The Bible says in verse 10, Abraham was waiting for a city that had real foundations, a city planned and built by God. The King James Version says it like this. I think it's a little bit more poetically profound. But Abraham was on a journey looking for a city whose builder and maker was God. I think the, the ESV says, looking for an architect who's building a maker with God. I, I'm reminded when I read that, that Abraham understood something, and he lived by a principle, that this life is not a 50-yard dash or a 100-yard dash. It's a marathon. And if we're going to live the dream, we've got to walk it out. It's a process. It's a journey. What does that mean? That just means this. Listen. All of us have feet of clay. All of us mess things up from time to time. None of us are perfect, myself included. I will be happy to tell you I'm not perfect. 
But I will say this. We fall down, but we have the ability to get back up. We may be down, but we're not out. I love what David says. Don't gloat over me, my enemy, for though I have fallen, yet I will arise. Why? Because there's power that we have in the name of Jesus. Because of whom we put our faith in. If I put my faith in myself and I fail, I'm done. I put my faith in my money and it's gone, I'm done. I put my faith in my family and they leave me or they're dead or they're gone, I'm done. But if I put my faith in God, even when I fail, even when my money fails, even when my family fails, even when my success in my business fails, I still stand because I don't stand on any of those things. I stand upon Him. That's why Proverbs 1.7 says that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of all wisdom. Look, if I keep a right vertical relationship, if I keep my focus on the dream, I keep my focus on what God's called me to do, God will take care of the horizontal details. That's hard for us to imagine, but it's true. And you can try to juggle all this stuff and all these relationships and all these people and all these business and all this stuff and all this money and all this junk, or you can choose to have what I call worry-free living, what Jesus says, his yoke is easy and the burden is light, and you can focus on him, and he will take care, and he'll give you the wisdom and the details to handle these situations. It's not that things aren't going to happen, but he'll tell you what to do when you're supposed to do it, and he'll give you the wisdom to walk it out. Focus on the goal. The next lesson that we see in the life of Abraham is that seeing in part and knowing in part. Let me explain this. Seeing in part and knowing in part. Seeing in part and knowing in part. Hebrews 11, verse 11 verse and 12 says this. That he, Abraham, was too old to have children. And Sarah could not have children. That's his wife. They were somewhere in their 80s when, they, when, when she conceived of a child. The Bible says it was by faith. Again, there comes that faith again. That Abraham... Uh, that, that Abraham was made to be able to become a father because he trusted God to do what God had promised. Look what verse 12 says. It pulls no punches. This man was old. He was almost dead. Mm-hmm. That's pre-Cialis, Viagra, right? You know what I'm talking about? It's what it says. I didn't say it. There it is. But from this man came his many descendants of stars in the skies and sand on the seashore. Don't look at me so sanctimonious. You're thinking the same thing. That's what it says. They can't have kids. Hello? And so many of his descendants that they couldn't be counted. Here's the deal. Abraham was able to see in part. What does that mean? He was able to see the miracle birth of his son Isaac. It was a miracle. But he was not able to see in full, which is to see the descendants of Isaac through Jacob and Joseph and David and all the way through the genealogy. He was able to see in part, see the son that God gave him, but he wasn't able to see in full, which was going to be the descendants. So that would be as numerous as the stars of the sky and the sand of the seashore. We know those descendants as the nation of Israel. Seeing in part and knowing in part. Paul talks about this to his letter to the church in Corinth. In 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 12, he says this. For now we see only a reflection as in a mirror. We see, the King James Version says, through a glass darkly, like looking through stained glass. For then, meaning in eternity, we will see face to face. Now, in the world that I live in here on earth, I know in part. But then, when I step into eternity, I will know fully, even as I am known fully. So, what, what Abraham understood is that I'm able to see in part. 
I'm able to see part of the, of the dream. I'm able to see the birth of my son. I'm able to see the miracle. There are these points in my life that I can point to that God showed up and God showed up and God showed up and God showed up. But I may not be able to see the fulfillment of the entire dream that's the full until I get to heaven. That I'm able to see in part now and I only know in part now but when I step into eternity, I will understand it better and better by and by. It's an old song. By and by, Lord, when the morning comes, when the saints of God are gathered home, we shall tell the story of how we've overcome and we'll understand it better by and by. That's what they mean by that. Is that on this side of eternity, I have questions that I can't answer. This side of your questions, eternity, I don't know why bad things happen to good people. I can't tell you why some things happen. I don't understand how some things are put together. I, I look through life from a linear perspective of birth and death. But God has the ability to take my life and suspend it in time and look at it from a... Th- from a completely 360 degree view and then how my life translates and connects with other five to six billion people on the planet today and how that changes every single second on the planet and then how it puts together in the eschaton of time from Genesis all the way through Revelation. I don't have the ability to do that. He does. He knows in full and he sees in full. But this side of eternity, it's like looking through stained glass. I can see shadows. I can see movements. I have moments of clarity. Then it's gone. It's like driving through fog. I can see, spot, uh, see taillights in front of me. Then they're gone. I can see a car. Then it's gone. Because this side, I know in part and I understand in part. And, and if I'm going to live the dream, I've got to put my faith in God and understand there are some things I just am not going to have the answer to. You may go, well, I read the other day and -and so-and-so's got a book out. And they'll tell you, I'm telling you. (laughs) It's called lies. It sells books. It sells tapes. It sells conferences and conventions. But nobody knows. Jesus says in the Gospel of Luke, they'll tell you that I'm coming here, I'm coming there, but don't listen to them because the Son of Man doesn't even know the day he's coming back. Listen, we don't understand. We know in part and we understand in part this side of eternity. But when I step through the the veil of eternity, I, as Paul says, will know in full and be known as I am fully known now. And if you're going to live the dream, you've got to accept the fact that there are some things you're not going to have answers to. Is it going to bug you? Yes. Does it bug me? Yes. Do I have questions? Oh, I have lists. I think I can take, I hope I can take my iPod to heaven because they're all right here on computer. Let me get back to that. What about this? But it's that ability of going, I put my faith in God. I put my confidence in him. And the last lesson that we see in the life of, of Abraham is we're not home yet. We are not home yet. Hebrews 11, 13 14, 15, and 16. I want you to listen to this. And all these great people, all the people of Hebrews 11, they're great men and women of faith, died in faith. There's that word again. They did not get the things that God had promised his people, but they saw them coming afar in the future, and they were glad. They weren't upset. They weren't mad. They understood their place. They said they were like visitors or strangers on this earth. When people say such things, they show that they are looking for a country that will be their own. If they had been looking about the country that they had left, they would have gone back. That's why the Bible says, whoever puts his hand to the plow and looks back is not worthy of the kingdom. But they were waiting for a far better country, a heavenly country. So God is not ashamed to be called their God because he has prepared a city for them. This is something that we have a hard time understanding. Because you and I live in a world of convenience. We live in a world that has... 
I mean, we, we, we got up this morning. I don't think anybody had to go out to the well and hope it wasn't frozen up when you pumped the water. Nobody had to boil water last night on an old stove that was a wood-burning stove in order to fill up the cast-iron bathtub to take your one bath for the week. Nobody had to go out to the outhouse. We only do that in Arkansas, right? Nobody had to do that. We got up. The heat was on. Some of you have, like, electric gas places, and you hit the button, and the mood music comes on, the whole deal, and you got all of that, and, and you got in your, in your car, the remote start, so it was warm when you got in it, heated seats, and all this other kind of stuff, and we come in, and, and, and you know, it's bad if the color TV goes out. This is really taught where we all live. Nobody's emaciated. Nobody's, I mean, we, we could all lose to skip a meal here or there. Hallelujah, don't point, right? Especially at me, it's not nice. But when this was written, and even 100 years ago, people would come together. And if you open an old hymn, Hymns of Glorious Praise, there are hundreds of hymns about heaven. Because they understood something, that if we could just download in our spirits today, we'd be far better off. They understood, like Abraham, that we're not home. That this world is not my home. I'm only passing through. My treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. And the angels, they beckon me beyond heaven's open door because I can't feel at home in this world anymore. That soon and very soon I'm going to see the king. That oh, what glory, oh, what shouting on that happy morning when we all shall rise. And what a day that will be when my Jesus I shall see. When I look upon his face, the one who saved me by his grace. And he takes me by the hand. He leads me through the promised land. What a day, a glorious day that will be. Because they understood that to be in the world was not to be of the world. That you and I were not created to, to, to live in a planet of chaos. But we relive in the peace and the tranquility that God had given us. Abraham understood that he was looking for a city whose builder and maker was God. That he wasn't home. And that the dream that God had given him was far bigger than him. It was going to far outlast him. But if he would submit his life unto God, God would make him the father of a great nation. And today, I don't know why there's sickness. I don't know why there's sorrow. I don't know why that, there's, that, there's, that there are problems and issues. And I don't know why bad things happen to good people. And I don't know why calamities come to your house. And I don't understand this. But I do know that there is coming a day. There's coming a day that the sorrows will be gone. That the hurts will be gone. That the pain will be gone. That the separation, this world that separates us, will be gone. See, Paul said it like this when he stood before King Agrippa. He said, look, man, you have to understand this, that if you kill me, to be absent in the body is to be present with the Father. And if I stay here, I will win more people to Jesus. It's a win-win situation. Take my life. What is it? It's but dust. From dust I've come and from dust I'll return. And only God is the one that is the giver and the taker of life. So ultimately, he's the only one that can give you the authority to do that. But if you take my life, I will step and be from in part, and I will step and I will be known and fully known. And all the questions that I have on this side, I'll understand it by and by. And all the issues that I have, I'll understand it. And all the struggles and all the heartaches and all the problems and all the things that have happened in my life, when I see him, it will make sense. And folks, we serve the same God. Just remember that. 
and your wonderful homes and your nice cars and, and, and in the, the, the 165 inch TV you're going to watch the game on today we're not home yet we're on a journey looking for a city whose builder and maker is God we're living the dream baby that's what it's all about that's why what we do is so important because the Bible says there's coming a day when the trumpet of the Lord will sound and time will be no more. And we will look to the east. And the Bible says that the dead in Christ shall rise first. And those that are that are remain, that's you and I that are living, will be caught up in the air and forevermore shall we be. Because we're not home yet. This isn't it. This is but a vapor. This is we know in part and we see in part. But when we step through, we'll know. And I'm okay with knowing in part. And I've resigned myself to understand in part. And I'm okay with that. Because I understand ultimately I'm living the dream. And maybe only in eternity will we really see the kingdom impact.